Hey there, Second Breaks listener. This is Lou Blazer. Before we start the show, I have a favor to ask you. If you like the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a review and rating in iTunes. Your review helps other listeners find the podcast, and it helps me learn what you like and what to continue to focus on going forward. I read every review, so I know that Surfer1811 appreciates and finds that what we talk about here on the podcast helpful for those searching for their purpose. Thank you so much, Surfer1811, and thank you in advance to each one of you for leaving a review. If you're not sure how to do it, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will give step-by-step instructions plus the iTunes link. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow second breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 41 of the Second Breaks Podcast, which will get published on Thursday, March 8th, International Women's Day. And in celebration, the topic of today's episode could not have been any better because we're talking about and busting one of the most insidious assumptions there is out there about what happens to women's ambitions and career aspirations when they become mothers. So the good news is that more and more people and organizations are becoming enlightened and are amending their understanding and their company practices about women and mothers in the workforce. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Unfortunately, there remains an often unspoken sentiment that as women start thinking of starting a family, their priorities change and their career aspirations begin to wane. Now, this assumption affects how a woman's commitment, availability, or suitability for for a position is perceived, which then translates to fewer opportunities for women with children. My guest today, Jennifer Hargreaves, has first-hand experience about how pervasive this assumption is. And in this episode, she shares how this prevailing situation in the workforce limited her options at the company where she was employed at the time she became pregnant with her first child. Fortunately for Jennifer, she had the financial resources to be able to quit work for a time as she cared for her first child and gave birth to a second. But there came a time when she began to feel the pull for substantive work beyond parenting. Her experience searching for suitable opportunities, as supported by stories from other moms in her network, would prove the limited options for mothers looking for flexible work or career paths. Out of this frustrating realization came a new idea. And after a well-positioned challenge from a friend, Jennifer began exploring the idea of creating a community that brings together companies that can offer flexible work arrangements for talented women and the women who can and want to fill those shoes. In this episode, Jennifer talks about her career journey from that fateful day when she was first told that the position she wanted was not suitable for women wanting to start a family to the birth of her company, Talent. 
For today's show notes, you can head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 41. You'll find the links to resources mentioned in today's episode, plus links to other resources as well, including the new just released Four Steps to a Kick Butt Career Plan. In a world where change comes fast and furious, the one with a plan stays ahead of the game. And if you want to create a future-focused plan instead of feeling anxious about the future, you'll want to register for this short course. Again, go to secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 41 for today's show notes and to sign up for four steps. Let me transition to my conversation with Jennifer and I'll catch up with you in a bit. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks. I'm glad to be here, Lou. Uh, I think I discovered Talent, your company, on Instagram of all places. And, um, and I was so glad when we finally connected to do this conversation because, one, because your company, Talent, is... I love what you're doing in the company. It's something I, you know, uh, believe in uh, personally. And I do want to talk to you a little bit about that today. But also, you have an incredibly interesting story that I want to be able to explore and share with uh, with this second race community so uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us kind of like your career story your journey how you got to doing what you're doing today sure yeah no problem Lou and uh, I think we did connect on Instagram I saw some of your podcasts and was pretty excited for this opportunity so again thanks for having me so I started my career I'd say much like most people who graduate from university I did my last semester abroad and I went over to New Zealand. My father's from New Zealand, so I thought, oh, let's go and uh, check that place out and live over there for a while and get some new experiences. And I started working with the Economic Development Agency in helping companies go offshore. Um, and when I closed my eyes as a kid, I always thought, maybe not as a kid, but as a teenager, and saw my future, I always saw myself in a suit carrying a briefcase. Like it was always with vision that I had, I wanted to be a businesswoman. And I took business in university, and I absolutely loved it. So when this opportunity came up to do international business, so I could combine sort of that travel and that global focus that I loved with business, I was pretty excited. So I worked over there for five years, I was in New Zealand, and then I got um, a posting to New York. So I was in New York helping the New Zealand companies come into North America. Uh, and I was working in the natural health and bioactive space. So a space that was um, dominated by men uh, and senior level executives. I was working with sort of the senior levels of New Zealand companies to help them build their strategy for market entry. And I loved it. <laughs> I have to say. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed the team that I worked for. Uh, I had an amazing boss and mentor who sort of challenged me on a daily basis to come up with solutions and how are you going to make it work, Jenny? He would say, you know, what do you want to do this year? And I, I, I'd say, oh, anything. He's like, think big. That's awesome that you have that mentor early in your career because not a lot of people have that uh, chance or have that benefit, right? And I actually wonder, I, I didn't realize that's what he was. Um, at the time, it was just somebody who had my back, and that's kind of how I viewed it. But looking back now, I think it was it was so important um, in my career development and my personal development for him to push me 
and challenge me. So, so that was great. Uh, I had been with the government for eight years and I decided that if I wanted to be that businesswoman walking on the street, I probably needed to move from um, government experience to or, uh, private sector experience. So to really go out and get some industry experience because I felt I was leading companies to opportunities, but I wasn't closing any deals. Uh, I met my husband in New York. Um, he's Scottish, and we moved to London. <laughs> so, a bit of an international story. We went over to London, England. This was a moment, uh, Lou, where I, I really started thinking, what is it that I want to do? And I decided, do I want to switch industries and stay in business, or do I want to keep the industry focus that I have? And where's my networks? What it is? What it is it? that I enjoy, where is my skill set, what can I do? So I decided to really stick with the industry that I knew and to be very strategic in the companies that I targeted. Mm -hmm. And there was one company in particular I really wanted to work for, and it was a marketing and branding agency in the UK. Um, so I ended up working for the company, which was great, but I started in quite a lower position than I had expected. I was very administrative. And I wasn't tasked with very challenging responsibilities. I thought this was because I lacked the UK experience and the UK networks. Uh, and I thought, oh, well, I'll just give it a bit of time. Um, and then as they get to know me and see the value of my experience and what I can do, uh, I'll start moving up the ranks and doing some more challenging work. And that didn't happen, actually. Uh, in this organization, it was the first time that I'd run smack into bias and discrimination in the workforce. Working with all these senior level men in a male-dominated industry in New York and New Zealand, I had no problems. Um, but when I got to the UK, I I just I didn't even realize what was happening, if we're being honest. But uh, they kind of didn't want me to speak to senior level men, um, or if I said I could introduce them to the in a very large company, they were dubious. They didn't quite believe me until I did it. <laughs> and then they were surprised. It was one of those things that I just thought, okay, these guys are going to get it in a minute. Like any minute now, they're going to get that. I can add a lot of value to what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, they offered me, I went from full-time role and they offered me um, the full-time full role, but they said it wouldn't really suit someone looking to have a family anytime soon. So... This sort of continues in that line with being gobsmacked, where I laughed at the time because I thought, is it? I said, first of all, I'm pretty sure you can't say that to me. <laughs> and second of all, well, it's not really none of your business, uh, you know, but I'll keep you in mind before I try to conceive. Um, it seemed absolutely ludicrous to me that they would even say something, a joke or not a joke. But uh, again, it didn't really sink in about bias and discrimination in the workforce from a gender perspective. Anyway, I, I did get pregnant and uh, four months, I was four months pregnant and uh, three days after I told them I was made redundant. Yeah, it's, um, it was really, really surprising. And then the more I started talking to other women, the more I realized it wasn't actually as entirely uncommon as I had thought. I didn't, I just, I was quite naive, I think. I never realized that this happened still mm. in age. And it really shook me, Lou. I, I have to say it um, it shook my confidence because I thought, well, they didn't, they fired me because, or I was made redundant because um, I'm not adding value or I was made redundant because I'm not smart enough. So I went through a real low point where I thought, what am I doing? Um, and I got really, really muddled. And then I got pregnant with my second child. So sort of back to back. 
So from there, I sort of thought, well, now what? Now what do I do? Um, no one's going to hire a pregnant woman. Um, and we decided to move back to Canada when I was pregnant with my second child as well. So I threw myself into renovating a house um, and to, you know, being a good mom and a good wife and everything else. But when my son was four months old, after a very cold, horrible winter and a very colicky baby, I thought, you know, something's got to change this, uh, this isn't what I, I imagined for myself at mm. this my life. And the kids are lovely. And obviously I, I love being a mother, but I was very, I felt like something needed to change so that I could be a better mother, so that I could be a better wife, so that I could be a better person. Um, I had to find that something for myself again and figure out what to do from a work perspective. So at that point, uh, Jenny, were you thinking about going back to, uh, corporate life or part-time job or kind of what was going on in your mind? Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> I thought, um, okay, well, I would like to build my career and I would like to still be challenged. Being challenged for me is uh, the number one thing you can ask my poor parents. I really started thinking about, well, what will that look like for me in this phase of my life? I considered consulting. And in fact, I took up a consulting job with a contact I had had from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But I had no network in Canada. My networks were overseas. So I thought, well, I'm just going to be out there trying to hustle by myself. There will be no interaction. Um, and it will be a pretty lonely existence if I just go out there and try to to consult. <clears throat> I looked at jobs. So I picked sort of my dream jobs in Canada. You know, I wanted innovation manager at Nestle or something that would use my experience and my drive to create something or build something new. But then I thought, geez, I have no reputation at that company. So I'm going to be starting fresh, working hard and commuting an hour each way. Uh, And my children are 20 months apart. So I had still pretty much a newborn and a baby at home. And my husband uh, travels quite a lot for work. Mm -hmm. Just seemed like at this stage of my my life, having a full-time career job at a corporate uh, company was not an option either. My husband strongly encouraged me to take a career break. Um, He said, you know, the kids are young and if you want to, we're lucky enough that we can afford for you to stay home and why don't you stay at home? But I, the thought of that too also didn't make me, make me very happy. So I started looking for part-time jobs Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, I could do a part-time job, but when I Googled part-time or flexible jobs in Toronto, I just got retail options over the holidays. And again, I'm not going to be challenged. I'm not going to be pushed or driven here. I wanted something where I could use my skills and the experience that I had to build something and to achieve something. So I couldn't find anything. And and at the time, because I I had the two young children, I was going to a lot of mums groups and um, talking to my own friends who were coming off second or third maternity leaves who were saying things that were very similar. They were, they were really downgrading their aspirations or they were dropping out of the workforce. And I thought, man, this is such a crazy waste of talented. These women are so smart and they're very ambitious, maybe not in the traditional sense from a company's point of view, but they, they are ambitious. They're, they're driven, they're hardworking and companies are losing this talent. Mm. So I, I remember I was moaning to a bunch of my friends like, man, these companies are fools, right? Like they're just, you know, they're they're missing out. 
And finally, my girlfriend said, stop talking about it and do something about it. And I thought, oh, really? Like, I'm not an entrepreneur. Um, I like the safety of either bouncing my ideas off other people, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I'm going to get a paycheck. And uh, I just thought, oh, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Um, so she said, you know, well, what have you got to lose? So my husband and I sat down and we decided, we talked about the idea and decided that we would give it a year to research it. And if at the end of the year it made sense to launch it as a company, uh, we'd have a discussion and go from there. And we did. Uh, So I spent a year, I put the kids in daycare for two days a week, Mm -hmm. hated those two days to researching my business idea. Um, And that was awesome, actually, just having that, even though I wasn't actually achieving anything. I had two days to myself to learn uh, and to develop sort of this new direction uh, and new skills in an area that I had no experience in. So, you know, my experience was in business development and market entry strategy for international companies. Now I'm looking at HR. So uh, a complete sort of change, but that was the process that I I really went through in, in making the change was getting my head around it um, and then doing the research into the direction I wanted to go. And I have to say, I sort of, for each step I took, I thought I went through the process of saying, what's the worst case scenario, right? Like what, what am I losing by doing this? So two days a week, my kids were in daycare. So that was sort of a, we were losing money because I was paying for daycare, but for my mental health, it was awesome. I was learning. So even after the end of the year, all I had done was learned more about this field. Networked. I'd been out there meeting with companies, meeting with women. So I was building my network. I was achieving something so that at the end of the day, I felt worst case scenario, I don't launch the, launch the company, but I'm still way better off than I was a year. So from the point of the idea, the seed uh, getting planted in your head with that conversation with your girlfriend to the point when you actually launched I guess that would be talent, right? How long did it take? So it was a year, pretty much a a year exactly. Um, So I had done market research with companies. I'd met with a lot of companies in Toronto to see if they were open to flexibility and how they felt about flexibility and where women were and women's issues were, you know, where they were on their radar. And I was blown away, actually, this whole thing that I've done before, I'm not really, or being very naive about bias and discrimination, well, we're actually all over it. So I felt like the market was ripe. There was an opportunity there with companies to say, well, you know, if you offer flexible work, I can bring you more women or you can keep more women engaged in the workforce as well. I also interviewed women to say, you know, is this a real need or an imagined need? So is this something that I'm just feeling because of my particular experience in the UK and because I have no network here. So is this a, something that's individual to me? Or is this a wider issue that women would like a solution for? And, and I did about 25 interviews from women who said that the number one thing that they're looking for is uh, flexible work options followed by career progression. So they, they just have a flexible job they want to have a flexible job where they can use their skills and they can keep moving forward in their career and they would take um they would leave their current roles they would leave their current employers and they would take a a pay cut for more flexibility in their roles so i thought i've got 
the problem from the companies and I have the problem from the women and I, I just have to figure out how to make a solution somewhere in the middle. Um, and that, that was where talent was. So it really became about how do I connect the two and solve some pretty big problems. One of the things that you mentioned earlier when you said you were having these conversations with a lot of the uh, moms uh, in your community or in your group, and uh, they were also expressing that, I think you also uh, discovered this yourself, that when when you go out there and you look for part-time positions, that a lot of them are to be blunt, not worth the time that you're going to be spending away from your kids, right? Because the roles are so, you know, they're not really challenging enough or they're not, uh, they're not going to allow you to grow at all or uh, maybe doesn't even pay all that much for you to justify being away from your kid for 20 or 30 hours a week, right? And I don't know, was that something that surprised you when you started looking for part-time positions or flexible positions? Or were you aware that that was sort of like the, the market, basically, for flexible positions for women? So I, I wasn't surprised, I have to say. When I found that it was primarily retail or administrative roles, or I wasn't surprised at all. Um, and when I saw the amount that they were paying, I also wasn't surprised. Now, I know that in order to, you have to invest time to grow your career. So sometimes you have to start lower at a lower wage, but you'll work up and it will be worth it because you'll gain the experience. I had an opportunity to do a consulting job, a longer term consulting job for a contact I had in Sweden. Um, and it was reading newsletters and making sure, because English was the second language, so it was just making sure that the newsletters made sense and um, managing a mailing list. And I can do that. And it paid pretty well. But I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't learning anything. And I wasn't building my network in Canada. And to me, that's what I needed. Um, giving me anything that I needed. So now I'm taking time away from my children to do something that I don't really need or don't particularly want for a wage that's barely covering childcare. So I, I have to say I was disappointed. I couldn't believe that when I searched on part-time or flexible jobs, the, the number of roles that were available or that I could find were so slim. Um, and even now, I think it makes no sense. If your company has a flexible culture, why don't they advertise it? Beyond on their website, we offer flexible work options. Because a lot of people, I think every company will say that. But what the culture is like is very different as well. That's true. That's true. And I think what you said before, uh, which is uh, which was the experience that you had in the in your basically your last full time position before you got pregnant, and uh, the prevailing I think idea or uh, notion out there is that once you have a baby or once you become a mom, is that your priorities change and you're less concerned about improving yourself professionally or growing professionally, and so therefore. You know, we can't really rely uh, on you anymore to be uh, focused on your career or focused on, you know, the the things that we're doing in the company because your priorities are different or, you know, your attention is elsewhere. I would say there's definitely a value shift when you have children. Um, You know, my values have changed because now my time is way more important, actually. But that can be viewed as good or bad. So, yes, my 
values mean my kids are number one to me, but also it means I value my time, which means I am crazy productive. Uh, so the time I do have, I'm not wasting. Um, get in, I'm very productive, I get things done, and I get out. But I'm no less committed or no less ambitious. I've just had a bit of a value shift. I love what you said about the the time becomes more, not becomes because it was always valuable, but your understanding of how valuable the time is. So if you are going to have, if you only have 12 hours or 20 hours or, you know, 25 hours, where are you going to put it, right? And what exactly do you want to achieve out of those 25 hours? That's excellent. And everybody's different, Lou. So you know, success looks different for everybody. What what works for me and what makes me feel like I'm successful, it's going to be different for you. It's mm-hmm. going to be for the next person. One thing that I wanted to explore with you, Jennifer, is that, you know, you, you mentioned at that time when the idea was born or when the seed was planted, it, this wasn't your field. Um, this wasn't your field at all. You didn't know how you were going to make this happen if it could actually be viable. And so can you talk a little bit about um, well, which I thought was quite inspiring, quite motivating for people out there who have this idea but don't know how to make it happen, right? And so you went about this, you know, year-long research and networking and talking to people. And so can you talk a little bit about what helped you during that time and and maybe a little bit about the process itself? How do you get from a seed to how do I actually research this or how do I who do I talk to? Because I think people get stumped on that as well. Uh, So there was a couple of key people who really helped give me the strength and the encouragement that I needed to pursue this. So that was one thing for me just to talk about this idea, but it was another for my friend to say, do it. So then maybe I should do it. Okay. Um, And I had a mentor in the UK as well, um, who was very encouraging. And I picked up the phone. I thought, you know, my mom is always going to say I'm great. (laughs) She's always going to tell me, pursue your dreams. You're amazing. You can do it. Um, But I wanted to talk to someone who had a business head on them, who knew the market, who knew the industry to say whether this was a pipe dream or or it would make any sense. So I started there. So I started talking to, I talked to my mentor in the UK and for some reason he thinks I'm great too, which is very, but, but he was like, yes, this is awesome. You can do it. Let me help you. So he started helping me come up with a plan to just refine my idea and focus it down a bit more and come up with, cause he was in branding. So to put some ideas around branding and I hung up the phone and I went, that's great, but I need somebody to shoot holes in this idea too, because um, like, I don't need people just to tell me it's a great idea. I need someone to say it might not work. So I called my uncle and my uncle is a VP at KPMG and uh, very business focused. And I said, you know, can I just take half an hour of your time and tell you my business idea and tell me what you think? Uh, and he gave me a few challenges, but he said, I think it's worth exploring. Um, so I was starting to get a little bit of confidence, I think, is just talking to a few people, floating the idea um, and and seeing what would happen. So from there, I decided to come up with a plan because when I'm coming up with a plan, I don't actually have to do anything. I'm still not exposing myself. I'm still not committing. I'm just planning. Uh, So I came up with a big plan about how I would do it. But the hardest point was, as we were speaking earlier, uh, is actually taking that first step and do it Um, and getting out there and networking and talking about the idea like it's a thing. Um, Because I found if you just talk about it as an idea, no one's really paying attention. If you're talking about if I'm doing this, people pay attention. Uh, So 
that was the next step was, right, I've got to build a network. So getting into going to some networking events, which I have to say, I'd been out of work for three years and I'd been made redundant in my last role. My confidence was so low. Um, and I think I turned up to the first event, which was about 350 people. Uh, we were watching um, three women from the Dragon's Den speak. Um, so the topic was really interesting to me, but I'm pretty sure I had spit up on my jacket. My hair was in a ponytail, wearing flats. And I thought, I don't belong here, you know? is I looked around and I thought, these women are so smart. They know exactly what they're doing and I do not belong here. Um, and I was quite shaken by that. Uh, so I went and got a haircut. <laughs> got into her heels and I tried again. Mm -hmm. And I tried again. And I tried again. And through that, I started meeting people. And I would talk to people who were interested in the idea and I'd follow up. And a lot of time I'd be sitting at my computer. Like I remember launching my Facebook group. I thought the whole world's going to see what I'm doing now. <laughs> right? Like I, I'm going to hit go and all my friends and family, all my network are going to see that I'm trying to start this, this company, which they're going to think I'm an, an idiot for doing. Um, and then I thought, oh, well, don't think too much about it. What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? So I hit publish. <laughs> I hit publish and waited for big bomb to fall or you know, <laughs> world to break. And it didn't, uh, I got a lot of likes, my groups started growing and, and, and we went from there. So it's, I think getting over that confidence hump and just doing it is, you know, for me, it was just do it, just do it, do it. Don't think too hard about it. Just do it. Um, and I'd say that was sort of what got me started from seed to researching it. And then after a year, I'd spoken to enough people, I'd created a brand mm -hmm. um, to take the punt and, and launch, launch the website. Again, my breath and hit go. And I threw a launch party, <laughs> you know, three of my best friends showed up and my mom. So that was good. But I think I always have these high expectations of everybody's watching me, everybody's going to see this when actually, no one's watching you really. Right. And you're not, you're not that big a deal. Exactly. So, like hopefully you're going to be a big deal, but at the beginning you're not. So you, it gives you the forgiveness, almost the leeway to mess up once in a while. Um, so, and that gave me a bit more confidence and, and the confidence just grew. Uh, yeah. And I have to say with launching your own company and really have no, no idea what you're doing um, is you learn to pivot a lot as well. Uh, so it was, I'm going to do this. Nope, that's not working. I'm going to do this. Not working. Okay, what do I need to do? I need to listen. And that's when I switched from what I was telling people was a problem to listening to what the problem was so that I could provide a solution. A couple of things. It's so comforting to know that we all go through the same sort of like, I'm going to sound like an idiot. People are going to think, what am I doing? Right. And so we all go through those phases. So if any, you know, the, for the person who's listening, who's feeling the same way, we all go through the same thing and you, you get past it, right? And yeah. then the other thing too, which is an interesting insight as well, is because I remember the very first blog post that I published is that I sweated, you know, over that. And I'm like, oh my God, people are going to read this and they're going to think like, oh my God, you know, this is such a, a, a lame post. And, but to your point, nobody's going to read it. Like just publish. 
It's not like the whole world is going to read this thing, right? First LinkedIn pro post, I was like, what is no one read it. Exactly. (laughs) But it's actually the the courage of actually hitting publish and putting yourself out there and putting your point of view out there. That is the process of growth that we all go through. Not not so much that people are going to read it and they're going to give it 200 thumbs up or 200 thumbs down or whatever it is. So that is brilliant. Um, I was just wondering, um, Jenny, when you were going through those initial years or the initial months when you were networking mm-hmm. and uh, you didn't have a website yet, but you were going to these uh, networking events, were you talking in terms of I have this idea or, you know, or I have this company or how were you presenting uh, or positioning your idea to the people that you were meeting? Well, when I was going into companies, I I actually, I had a great response rate. I cold called all five top banks in Canada and the professional services companies. And I got in, I got meetings at most of them, um, and, which was great because it showed me that there was really an appetite for this kind of thing in the industry. But when I got into the door, the first thing they asked me was, how many women do you have in your community? What's the success rate? Um, and what's your website? So it sort of made me think, okay, the idea of something isn't good enough. I need to actually start this process and commit to this process, um, before, before anyone will actually take notice of me. Gotcha. This whole, uh, story from, you know, from the moment that you were made redundant to the moment that you have uh, burst a company that actually meets this uh, need right out there from both the women and the companies, right? The meeting together of, uh, you know, the the problem and the solution um, is so inspiring and so motivating. And I w- was wondering, um, Jenny, if, you know, thinking back or looking back, was there something that you learned about yourself uh, through this process, either that you didn't realize that you were always this kind of person or that you realize that you've become this person as a result of this career change or this experience? Well, I've always worked well with challenges. So when my boss said to me uh, in my previous organization, think big, solve this problem, I loved it. I never was the big thinker. I was the, you know, he told me the problem I had to solve and then I had to figure out how to solve it. So I always saw, saw myself very much as a, a good problem solver. Um, you know, it, it, that was my challenge was solving problems, not the big thinker. Uh, and I think it's been a struggle for me actually to get my head around being a big thinker, mm-hmm. actually when it's just me. Um, so I, I'd say that was another challenge was getting used to being on my own doing this. Uh, and what I realized at the start of last year, so we've been operating for, we've launched the website for a year and a half. And at the beginning of last year, I decided I, I couldn't do this on my own anymore. So uh, I like to collaborate. I would much prefer to collaborate than to start something from scratch and do it on my own. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to do that at all. Um, so I'd say I've learned how to collaborate and work with others uh, and come up with solutions with others a lot better and be creative um, be, cre- be creative with everything because I have money. <laughs> so as a startup, uh, you need to learn to be creative. I had no network, so I had to learn to be creative and build my network from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an idea where I had no idea what I was doing. So I had to be creative in how I did that as well. So 
I didn't think I could do it. Um, and what I've really learned is that you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and solving problems on a daily basis. Cause that's really what you're doing is just every day you're solving a different kind of problem. Um, but now it's in a collaborative way versus just trying to do it all on my own. You said something there that I think I forgot to uh, ask before or clarify. When you set out uh, the company, when you were doing your networking, you weren't looking for funding, right? You were you didn't raise funding, or did you raise financing for We Are Talent? No, I um, my husband and I decided to put in. We agreed on a certain amount of money and then length of time to try to make the company work. Then we passed the timeline and we decided, oh, let's give it a bit longer, another year. Um, so we still are, I've managed to sustain the money, which is great. And the company's growing now. So I didn't want to go after funding because if the, if the idea is going to work, the market should validate it. Um, so when I was going out there, I, I didn't know what I was looking for, to be honest. I thought maybe I collaborate with somebody who's already doing this. And I explored that avenue. I talked to a couple of organizations in Toronto who were doing something similar. Um, but again, I was too new. Um, it's just an idea versus something that could really add value to what they were doing within their own business. Now, I don't know if a partnership or collaboration on a grand scale is going to be something that would work for the company. But honestly, when I first started out, I was open to learning um, and not saying no to anything, which got me into a bit of trouble. So then I had to narrow down. But I think when you go out there and you have no idea, what I really wanted to do was to listen and see what, see what my options were, see what's out there, see what I could do, what is possible. That is amazing. I love that's actually the part. Uh, well, there's a lot of parts about your story that I find so inspiring and motivating. But that part about just going out there and when we go when you went out there, you were basically experimenting and testing. Uh, you weren't necessarily sure about the result or, you know, what you're going to find. But you, you just were out there knocking on doors and talking to people and, um, you know, and to the point that you said earlier, learning and pivoting based on what you're finding. Right. And so that is um, that is excellent. That's brilliant. Uh, two more questions. Is there a book, it may be fiction or nonfiction, that uh, has made an impact on you that you might uh, recommend? Yes. And I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to be a bit boring in my book, but it had a huge impact on me because when I was made redundant uh, and I had my young children and I really felt like I had to choose one or the other. Um, I really felt I had to choose either to be a mother or to be, or to have a career. I didn't think I felt, I really struggled with the fact that there could be both. And then mm -hmm. I wondered what was wrong with me that I didn't just want to be a stay at home mom. Um, because this is, I should want this. And I read lean in, uh, by Cheryl Sands. And I also read our turn by, uh, Kirsten Stewart. Somebody gave me the book. Which, they what, which one's the second book again? Sorry. Our turn by Kirsten Stewart. She's Canadian. And they made me feel like I could breathe, if that makes sense. So when I read them, I thought, she's talking about me. She's talking about me. Like, she gets this. She gets that I've got ambition and I want to do something big, but I don't know how to channel it. And she gets that I'm frustrated being in this position. And I finally felt like it, something wasn't wrong with me because I didn't like having to be forced to choose between these two things. Um, and it also made me determined that companies were changing um, and times were changing and that actually the time is now 
um, to be able to pursue career and life ambitions through accessible work. That's great. Um, and then lastly, Jenny, where can we find you? Where can we find more about talent uh, online? Well, you can look me up on LinkedIn anytime. Uh, my name is Jennifer Hargraves, uh, the founder of Talent. And the Talent website is We Are Talent. And Talent is spelled T-E-L-L-E-N-T. Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing your story with us. I'll definitely have to invite you uh, over to talk a little bit more about, you know, part-time and flexible work and what that's, uh, that's all about and if that's a valuable path for us women. So I hope you'll be all fine to come back on the show. Anytime, Lou. It's been a pleasure. That's a wrap for today's show. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 41. And don't forget to sign up for the free course on career planning while you're there. We've got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. I will be back next week with a new guest to inspire and motivate you to start planning or at least to start thinking about your next career move. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 